Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The volume. All I want for the holidays this year is some NBA action. This week, new customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting five bucks. An instant dub just for you guys. The MVP odds are heating up. Just so you guys know, on DraftKings today, December 18th, Nicole Jokic plus 210, Luka Doncic plus 400, Joel Embiid plus 425, Shea Gilgis Alexander plus 900, Giannis plus 900, Jason Tatum plus 1800. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code HOOPS. New customers can get 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on basketball. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code HOOPS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash basketball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, welcome to Hoops tonight here at The Volume. Happy Wednesday, everybody. I hope all of you guys are having a great start to your week. we got a fun show today from Christmas evening. The Dallas Mavericks, on the strength of a 50-point game from Luka Doncic, kind of humiliated the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix. And so I want to talk a lot about both teams from that particular game. We're going to be doing a deep dive there. And then, because of Christmas Day... In the Yovan video yesterday, we haven't had a chance to do our power rankings yet for this week, so we're going to be doing an update on our 
power rankings. You guys know the drill. Before we get started, subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel. It would mean a lot to me if you guys would take a second to scroll down and hit that subscribe button. Don't forget about our podcast feeds, wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements or the film threads I do from time to time. And keep dropping mailbag questions. This weekend, I'm taking Friday through Monday off, but I want to have some content coming out over the weekend. So on Thursday, I'm going to be recording a long mailbag episode that will kind of release over the course of the New Year holiday. So drop a bunch of basketball-related questions about whatever you guys want, and then let's get weird too. Any non-basketball stuff, drop it in the mailbag in this YouTube video's comments. We'll put together the list out from this video, and we will record that on Thursday so that we have some content over the weekend. Before we head into the the stretch before the trade deadline and then the stretch before the playoffs, things are going to be heating up here over the course of the next couple of months. All right, let's talk some basketball. So this game, it was interesting because last night I, I turned it on after a long day, you know, Christmas, uh, after I finished recording those two episodes. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, uh, obviously, so many people work on Christmas Day. It's not just me, so I'm not complaining to, to, by any stretch. But obviously, it was a weird day for me because, like, I'm, like, at one Christmas event and then I'm driving back to go record and then I'm going over to my parents' house to see my family in town and we're trying to find time to celebrate. But then I, like, have to run back to record after Lakers Celtics and then I finally go back to my parents and we finish celebrating and then finally I get home last night and my wife's passed out in the bed and it's it's like 10 30 and I, I I'm just like oh look the Suns are playing and I turn it on and it was pretty bad uh specifically when I turned it on it was 116 to 110 if I remember correctly and the wheels came off, or 116 to 112 I think and uh Devin Booker has like a a, a driving right-handed layup and then the wheels just come off. They give up a bucket on almost every trip down the floor having trouble uh blitzing and rotating off of Luka and then just like a bunch of really careless turnovers on the other end. They looked somewhat disinterested. And so I was like, "Ah oh, man, like Luka putting up 50, Suns are in some trouble. This is the game that I need to do a deep dive on today." And so sat down today and I just watched the entire game. And the the truth of the matter is is Luka just broke Phoenix's defense. And, you know, for all the struggles Phoenix have had, has had, it's primarily on the offensive end of the floor. They've actually been one of the best rebounding teams in the league over this recent span. And they've been a slightly above average defense for most of the year. And that, you know, in that middle of the pack range, I think before last night's game, they were 14th uh uh, over even even during the stretch that they were struggling. They've been a decent defense. Not good, but they've been a decent defense. And they were in shambles in that second half against Dallas. And, you know, one of the things I thought was super interesting that Luka was doing is he was taking advantage because they were loading up on him in the half court, blitzing pick and rolls. Uh, they had KD zoning up on ISOs. Remember, zoning up means ignoring his man entirely, but going on the opposite side of the painted area so that he doesn't get a defensive three seconds. So he's basically like, it's like a soft double team, essentially allowing the primary on-ball defender to press up on the jump shot, knowing that KD's waiting behind him in help. And so in the half court, Luka wasn't, wasn't really getting opportunities to look to be aggressive, at least as a scorer, uh, not as frequently, right? But he was having a lot of success in semi-transition. Now, we talk about this concept a lot, but semi-transition is like whatever is not a run-out layup, meaning like a one-on-one, you know, pass-pass layup, you know, the stuff you do in high school for drills when you're working on layups and transition, right? Something that is not that, but also not a half-court possession. It's like between the two. It's like usually off of a miss, 
usually it starts as like a four on three with the other three guys kind of lingering back into the play. And usually what it is, is it's a gap where you don't have an opportunity to like just necessarily drive unimpeded to the basket. But at the same time, the defense isn't in their configured half court set, right? We just talked about all the things that that Frank Vogel was doing to Luca in the half court. But if before they even get set up to do those things, he was finding some opportunities, mainly just to attack an ISO. He was like there was a play in the uh, fourth quarter where he just was dribbling down the floor, and 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 uh, um, you, you, his on ball defender was Grayson Allen, and he's kind of opened up with his left shoulder open, and there's no help side defense because guys aren't matched up, and Luca just hits him with like a basic hesitation move, gets all the way to the basket and lays it in. That step back three that he's been taking a lot, he was hunting that in that semi-transition phase. These were not like, oh, get a switch, pull the big out, take a step back three with five on the shot clock. He was taking quick fire step back threes in semi-transition, and it those have like a whole uh, debilitating, discouraging element to them because your defense just feels hopeless. when he's When you're getting him to take one of the tougher shots that he takes the step back three early in the possession and he just keeps making it and then the you know one of the things I've talked about with Luca is is a lot of his pull-up shooting is the same angle like his post-up fadeaways always fades over his right shoulder right if he's going to take a turnaround jumper it's over his right shoulder step back he's always going to step back going to his left but then in that stretch he had a ball screen that they set in semi transition where the Mavs just weren't or the uh, Suns just weren't even matched up Chemezi Metu was guarding nobody and so they were able to go up and set a quick screen on Luca, and it was basically like a two-on-one offensive possession and he actually went into like a like one of those pull-up threes you see the hyper-athletic guards take where he like comes off the screen to his right plants left right elevates pretty high off the ground for a Luca jump shot and he sticks that too and it just got to the point where it, 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 I think when I turned it on at 116-112, the damage was already done. Like the, the Suns didn't really have any belief in their ability to win the game at that point. And so it was interesting to go back and look and be like, oh yeah, that's why. It's because you couldn't do anything with the guy. Like as soon as they the Suns went on their little run in the late third quarter, which was primarily fueled by Grayson Allen, who just got super hot shooting the basketball, and KD was making some good passing reads as well, uh, they get hot, they take a brief like five-point lead, and every single time Phoenix got the lead to five, Luka would just go down and hit another step back three, and it's two again. Oh, they got it back up to four. Luka hits another shot it's one again it was just uh, this onslaught that just sapped the sons of any sort of belief which I think directly led to their uh uh to their discouraged effort there down the stretch it was just a really really impressive psychological domination by Luka Doncic and again the the theme of the game was the Suns had to blitz and pick and roll and when they blitzed and pick and roll they were just getting a lot of really key contributions Derek Jones Jr. was doing a great job in that short roll position of attacking the rim athletically and finishing over uh, Kevin Durant at the rim. Derek Lively had some possessions in the role. He also had some possessions where he wasn't the roller. He was in the dunker spot. And as guys got up and missed shots, he was cleaning things up on the offensive glass. Derek Jones hit a couple of big corner threes. Grant Williams hit a turnaround jumper in the lane. Tim Hardaway Jr. had one of those semi-transition driving layups uh, uh, that he got. I can't remember who was guarding him on that particular play, but gets an easy bucket there. They were getting lots of contributions down the line. And that that there is the key. 
Because this, to me, feels like a real MVP type of campaign from Luka Doncic. Now, whether or not he wins it is is dependent on so many other things, mainly because the league is so damn stacked with talent that it's just really difficult to separate yourself uh, these days. But Luka looks like an MVP, and we're going to talk about all these uh, specific basketball things. But most importantly, the biggest element of the case, in my opinion, is he has instilled his teammates with a sense of belief in confidence that what they're doing will lead to victories in basketball games. And this is a team, by the way, that was limited in talent when they were st- when they were fully healthy. But Kyrie's missed significant time. Josh Green's missed significant time. Maxi Kleba dislocated his toes, been out forever. That's three of their most important rotation players and their secondary creator, arguably, easily, their second most important player. And he's kept them afloat. They're 18 and 12. They're right in the mix of things. And a huge part of it is just every single guy on that team has a belief that what they're doing is going to work. And and as a result, they're incredibly bought in. They're incredibly focused. It's interesting to see the juxtaposition of the kinds of extra efforts that you're seeing guys on the Mavericks make. And then you're seeing Devin Booker yelling at his teammates for not getting back after turning the basketball over, which, by the way, Devin's correct to be upset about. But the point is, is you're seeing similar types of supporting casts. These are all castaways. The Suns got all these veteran minimum guys, and the Mavericks got all these veteran minimum guys. Really, Grant Williams is the one guy we can point to as like, okay, they got him through a sign-in trade and got him at a decent salary number. But the difference is, they're the, the guys on the Mavs, they're locked into their roles. And the guys on the Suns, it just it's just not coming together the same way. And that that to me is the is the strongest part of, of Luca's MVP case. Um that said, well, by the way, before we get to the Luca stuff, they're 13th in defense over the last 15 games. <laughs> and like Luca has been making solid defensive rotations. He's closing out with a with an intensity that you're not accustomed to seeing from Luca. He's been fa- found himself in a lot of low man situations and weak side situations where he's like guarding two guys and having to kind of like split the difference and try to bait a guy into making a pass and then closing out. And he's doing a really nice job of it. It's it's from the top down. It's trickling down. It's outstanding leadership, in my opinion. Very, very different from the Luka that we saw that was so disengaged towards the tail end of last year. And I think it's a direct, uh, uh, you know, it's a direct driving force between a lot of the success, or for a lot of the success they've had this season. Uh, on the, the, the Luka Doncic front, everything starts with pull-up shooting. He has made 44 more pull-up jumpers, or taken, excuse me. He's taken 44 more pull-up jumpers than anyone else in the league. He's the only player in the NBA who's taken over 300 pull-up jump shots, and he's getting 1.09 points per shot on them. Couple of things. He's taking these uh, pull-up jump shots as threes instead of twos, which is driving up the efficiency, right? And that step-back three... One of the things I like, he's quickened his release a little bit too. He's making it more of like an athletic move as, as opposed to kind of like a use his size and lean back move. His release looks a little bit quicker, but he's just dialed in and he's locked in with that pull-up jump shot. And again, we talk about making the shot at a, at a, at a, a phase that's untenable. If you're taking a lot of long twos, for, for instance, like Kevin Durant does, and even if you're shooting a higher percentage than Luka, they're worth fewer points. It can be something where the defense is like, ah, we can live with that shot, right? But when it's 1.09 points per shot, 
it can get to the point, especially on a night like last night where he's so locked in, it can get to a point where it's like, it's untenable. We have to zone up on this guy in ISOs, blitz him in pick and rolls, just find a way to get the ball out of his hands. That's the primary driving force of with him from the perimeter. And then he handles pressure extremely well. So the smaller at like quick defenders that are handsy, they don't bother him. A lot of that is just he's really good at protecting the basketball and he's big as hell. And then he can beat anyone off the dribble right now. We talked about this when they beat the Lakers a while back, but like, like, uh, doesn't matter if he's starting from a triple threat from the elbow or off the dribble from 30 feet, if he uses a ball screen isolation, it just doesn't matter because of his size and his command of the basketball, he's going to get an angle and he's going to shoot that gap and he's going to get dribble penetration. And then from there, he's got every shot in the book. I was pulling up the synergy sheet today and Synergy has this page called shot types. And when you pull it up, this is where I get a lot of, there's different, there's play types and there's shot types. Those are the two primary screens that I use on Synergy. And, you know, play types are going to sort it through to like spot up possessions, pick and roll, ball handler, uh, transition, cutting, offensive rebound, putbacks, ISO, post up, all these different play types, right? And then even then you can sort them out to different uh, 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 sides of the floor, different driving angles, that, all these different things. Synergy is a great tool. Um, but on the shot types element, like there's, they have jump shot and then it's split down and then it's like, there's catch and shoots and there's unguarded catch and shoots. There's guarded catch and shoots. There's off the dribble jump shots. There's what they call early jumpers, which is basically like when you, uh, isolate and you shoot it quick in the possession. There's, uh, floaters, there's hook shots, there's, uh, layups, there's dunks. It's sorted all out there. And what was crazy is every single shot of type shot type. On that list, including contested, uncontested, uh, catch and shoot, off the dribble, floater, hook, everything. He's up over a point per possession. Every single shot type. Luka's shooting 59% on floaters this year. 78% at the rim. And so it's just an incredibly efficient set of shot making that makes it untenable to leave him in any sort of basic traditional coverage or single coverage. As a result, career high in points per game, career high in true shooting percentage. This is just the best we've ever seen from Luka. And like I said, when you combine that with the leadership and the way it's held this team together through some pretty tough circumstances, I mean, we'll see. we got to do our MVP rankings uh, 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 later on this week or next week, and and he's going to be higher than what it, where he was. And We'll see. Again, a lot of things have to break right for him with, in terms of competition, uh, like other people that are up for the, the award. But this looks like an MVP type of season from Luka Doncic to this point. For Phoenix, there are some personnel limitations there, but I do see a lot of improvement, a lot of room for improvement, I should say, all over the floor. The defense can be better. One of the big issues in this particular game is Kevin Durant, who's been a very good low man throughout his career, especially after he went to Golden State. He had a really bad game. He was particular. The two things that stood out to me: he was slow in that low man rotation, so he was getting there too late in a lot of cases. And then when he got there, he wasn't uh, using his verticality to make guys make shots over the top. A lot of the times, he's like trying to get him down low, or he'd have his hands down, and guys were just going over the top and finishing. And it's like Kevin Durant, when vertical, is is a pretty damn big obstacle to try to go through. And so by virtue of KD just being a little more focused, getting there a little bit earlier, and then using his verticality to make guys make tough shots over the top of him, I think that could help a lot in their help side defense. Grayson Allen and Devin Booker in particular were really sloppy in their off-ball rotations, which is like 
absolutely crucial to uh, running a successful blitz in pick and roll because you end up with these four on threes in the backside. And like Kevin Durant can protect the rim for you, but in order to take away the three point shots elsewhere, you need to get more solid rotations out of those guys. So I think the defense can be a lot better. On offense, Devin Booker's just not playing very well. He doesn't look comfortable getting to his spots, which leads me to think he doesn't have his legs underneath him all the way. He's not shooting well. He's 43% from the field and 21% from three in his last five games. Kevin Durant all season has been kind of inefficient in ISO, which is tough because that's one of their most frequent play types. Kevin Durant's getting only 0.88 points per possession in ISO this year, which is down from what we expect from Kevin Durant, right? And then as a team, the Suns are not converting spot-up possessions. They're getting just 1.03 points per possession in spot-up situations, which ranks 20th in the NBA. Brad Beal returning should help in a ton of these areas because a big part of what makes uh, – Uh, A big part of what makes Kevin Durant a little bit less quick in his rotations on the backside as a low man is he still is being leaned on for the majority of the offensive creation. I know there's been a lot of talk about Kevin Durant being more featured in the offense, and there's no doubt that Devin Booker seems like he has the ball a lot, but Kevin Durant is still very, very much involved, last night notwithstanding, and and he's actually leading the Suns in usage percentage over the course of this recent stretch when they've been struggling. So like that, to me... When Bradley Beal can come back and actually remain on the floor, it just makes so many things easier because one, you're adding a ton of aggregate ball handling and shooting to the lineup, which is going to help you in every single play type. It's going to make Katie's ISOs easier. It's going to make get Devin uh, Booker's pick and rolls easier. It's going to make the team spot up efficiency skyrocket. It's going to allow for more resources to be devoted to the defensive end of the floor for guys like Kevin Durant and Devin Booker who haven't been as good as they need. And so here's the thing. Like, I've seen a lot of people talking about, like, oh, you know, because Kevin Durant, had, there, there was that report that come out, came out that the Suns are monitoring Kevin Durant's mood. And here's the thing. I don't think Kevin Durant's going to be on a different team before the end of this year, not unless it turns into an absolute catastrophe. And I think Kevin Durant knows that he kind of has to make it work with what he's got in this situation, and I expect him to. They have the tools. The, the The problem is, and this is important context, like it's easy right now to be like, oh, they're too weak off of KD and Devin Booker because they leaned too much into these stars, but it's like that was never the design of the team. The design of the team was Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal. Right, that was the that was the way this was supposed to work, and so again, like I think it's a little unfair to be like, oh, this whole thing is a failure when it was never intended to work like this. It was intended to work with Bradley Beal in the picture. Now, once Bradley Beal's in the picture, are they suddenly going to become a great team? We'll see. We've barely seen it, so I have my skepticism, but I'm not going to jump to that conclusion until I see them play. And you know, it doesn't like as long as they can continue to linger around that plan and. And kind of and just remain within striking distance of the playoffs. If Bradley Beal can come back in a few weeks and they can go on a run, everything's going to be fine. So at least within the context of what uh, 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 this team was capable of throughout the regular season. So I think it's a little too early to uh, to completely consider this a failure. That said, there is a harsh reality here. Yes, the Suns have a lot of room for improvement within the locker room, but. There is not anything really else that they can do with the roster. 
They might be able to make an ancillary trade for somebody like a P.J. Tucker, or maybe they can go get an athlete from somewhere else in the league and turn one of their bench skill guys into an athlete. They might be able to get a buyout guy here or a buyout guy there. But there's no high-level reinforcements coming here. That's the harsh reality. So it's up to the guys in that locker room, specifically Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal, to be like, what do we got to do to make this work, man? Because like, you can get mad at Shemezi Metu. You can get mad at you know Josh Okogi for doing something. You can get mad at, at, at Jordan Goodwin for doing something. But at the end of the day, those are your teammates for this season for the most part. Like You might be able to make slight tweaks, but even the guys you bring in are going to be castaways from elsewhere which means they're going to come with flaws. And so it's on the stars in that locker room to try to figure out a way to make it work. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, moving on to our power rankings. So we have one team drop out this week, the Orlando Magic. Both Paolo Boncaro and Franz Wagner have, have cooled off considerably, uh, which has caused their offense to crater. And as a result, they've lost six of their last nine games. So the Magic are out of the rankings for this week. But at number 10, we have a, a, a new team, a team that hasn't made the list yet this year. I, they may have made it once earlier in the year. But the Miami Heat, they're 6-2 and two in their last eight games, and their offense is cooking. They're scoring 120 points. Per 100 possessions. Tyler Harrell's been on fire since returning from his injury. 26 points, 6 rebounds, and 4 assists per game. 48 points, or excuse me, 48% from the field, 46% from three. 
85% from the line, so really, really high-level efficient scoring from Tyler Harrow. Bam Adebayo is back and has looked great. Uh, two other guys I want to shout out. Duncan Robinson. I, I Every time I watch the Heat, I'm blown away by how him fixing a simple flaw has made his greatest strength even better. Always was an outstanding shooter and a guy that could shoot on the move, but... The ability to chase him off the line and some of his limitations defensively causes impact to Crater, struggled in the rotation for a while. Learned how to dribble and make plays. And and by the way, before we go any further, that's not like a oh, I went to I called up Hakeem Olajuwon and learned how to be a post player in one weekend. No, that's not what this kind of stuff is. When it comes to ball handling and shooting, footwork as well, for whatever that's worth, which is what makes the Hakeem camp always so funny. But that kind of stuff does not get developed in a month. Doesn't get developed in two months. This like you can go do ball handling drills every single day, a hundred straight days, and you're only going to see a marginal improvement. Same goes for uh, uh, every sort of shooting drill. Same goes for footwork stuff. Like I know because I've done this myself. Like you know what I mean. Like I, this, it just it's it's very incremental progress. And like so when I see stuff like Duncan Robinson going from a guy who couldn't dribble to two years later being a guy who like does a pretty decent job of it. It's just a testament to the relentless amount of work that Duncan Robinson has put in to turn himself into a viable off-the-dribble threat. When you combine that with people having to panic chase him on the perimeter to chase him behind dribble handoffs and screens and and, and to, uh, uh, to basically put them in a trail position constantly, now you've got Duncan Robinson going downhill and making decisions, which is putting the defense in rotation and getting Miami good shots. And then he's also just uh, made uh, a lot of leaps as an off-ball defender. He's got good size and length. And so just by being a player with good instincts that can read plays out on the weak side, which a lot of times those plays on the weak side, like we talked about earlier uh, with Kevin Durant, with uh it's it's a lot or Luka Doncic I should say a lot of it has to do with like splitting the difference and like making it feel like you're guarding both guys when you're not closing out to passing lanes like stunting and recovering all of these things are are important elements of help side defense that Duncan's gotten considerably better at and then Jaime Hawkes Jr. he's just he's bigger and stronger than a lot of NBA perimeter uh defenders and he's weaponizing that to get quality shots despite you know, not being the type of prospect that we're accustomed to seeing in the lottery. And it's, he can bully his way to the rim in transition when he's slashing. He's been an excellent post-up player this year. It's, and so getting, essentially when you put it all together, their core guys have been playing well and they're getting key contributions from role players. And as a result, they're winning games six and two in their last eight, Miami Heat at number 10. Number nine, the Dallas Mavericks, uh, utterly decimated by injuries, but a bona fide MVP season from Luka Doncic has kept them afloat in the standings. Help is on the way. Uh, we talked a lot about the Mavs earlier today, so if you're just watching this Power Rankings video, uh, uh, hit the first clip that we released from this particular episode. We did a deep dive in the Mavs and on Luka's MVP case. Number eight, the Oklahoma City Thunder. They beat the Grizzlies without Jaw and the Clippers without Kawhi. Then they got manhandled by the Lakers. And that pr- continues to be their biggest weakness. They're small, and that's a death sentence in the Western Conference, in my opinion. I don't think they're capable of beating the Nuggets, the Wolves, or the Lakers four times out of seven as currently constructed. And so I'd like to see them get aggressive at the deadline to try to get someone like a Pascal Siakam or a Jeremy Grant. Laurie Markinen's a guy that I think actually fits them best because of how good their perimeter defenders are. A guy that could really help them in help side defense and rebounding and as an outstanding play finisher that'll just push their offense up another level. Uh, uh, I'd like to see them get aggressive because this is a really good team with a fatal flaw. And I, I, you want to give yourself as many opportunities to try to push over the top as you can. 
Number seven, Sacramento Kings. They beat the Washington Wizards and Phoenix Suns this week, but then they got crushed at home by the Celtics and the Wolves. And this is a, a theme that we've been talking about all year. What have I been saying about the Kings? Specifically against teams that have outstanding perimeter defenders that can contain the easy dribble penetration that De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk uh, bring to the table. It causes their offense to stagnate, and then they're not good enough defensively to make up for it. Once again, Boston and Minnesota are two of the very best perimeter defense teams in the league. They're not uh, really uh, in a trouble uh, in a troublesome position in terms of Sacramento's foot speed. It's an interesting example, and that's another team. Of, uh, that's another team that I think should be looking to upgrade the four for that reason. They need to find another way to break defenses down when their dribble penetration gets contained. Number six, the Los Angeles Clippers. Their winning streak ended with back-to-back losses to the Thunder and Celtics, but Kawhi Leonard has been out for both of those, and his MVP play has been a huge driving force for this team. So I wouldn't read too much into it, other than it's just a bummer that we didn't get to see the Clippers. Like It would have been great to see them play OKC in Boston at full strength with how well the Clippers were playing because it would have helped us learn more about them, but that's just kind of the nature of the NBA regular season at this point. Number five, the Philadelphia 76ers, same thing. Embiid's ankle injury kind of stopped us from getting to see another measuring stick uh, game against the the Heat on Christmas. But I thought the Minnesota win was super impressive. That that was the best defense in the league. Uh, still is the best defense in the league, and they had no answer for Joel Embiid. And like we can talk about officiating all we want, but as I've said, that has nothing to do with Joel. That is a, a, a that's a take I have about the league. I've had Sixers fans ripping me new ones and mentions and YouTube comments for like a week and a half now. And it's funny because it's literally an opinion that has nothing to do with Joel or the Sixers. It's 100% focused on the NBA and the officiating. I don't think Joel Embiid is the only foul grifter in the league. I've been calling it out league-wide for everybody. So Sixers fans, it's not an anti-Sixers take. He's my front runner for MVP right now. The Sixers are fifth in my power rankings. Just, you know, what, what, what he did to Minnesota – obliterating the best defense in the league was super impressive. It was probably the single single most impressive game I've seen uh, from a superstar player this season. Number four, the Denver Nuggets. How about a 5-0 week? They're up to seventh in defensive rating for the season now. I happen to catch three of those five wins in – Late game execution just continues to be their biggest advantage over other teams. When they get into a close game late, I just feel like they're going to win the vast majority of the time because of their ability to consistently generate quality shots. Number three, the Milwaukee Bucks. Lots of things are falling into place for them. Their overall defensive effort is improving in terms of just execution within what their personnel is capable of. The Dame Giannis pick and roll is getting used more often and more effectively. They're running it on an empty side more frequently. Dame's making higher level reads out of it. Chris Middleton, after going for 20-plus points zero times in his first 17 games this year, he's done so four times in the last eight games. So that's super encouraging. But in a weekend split against the New York Knicks, they got absolutely cut to pieces by Jalen Brunson, who averaged 37 points per game against them and had three total turnovers in two games. That continues to be their biggest flaw. They are not capable of making opposing ball handlers uncomfortable. We saw this in the Pacers game as well. And in my opinion especially with a team like Boston waiting for them at the top of the Eastern Conference. I don't think they're capable of beating Boston. I shouldn't say capable. They're just a significant underdog, in my opinion, against Boston unless they can upgrade at the two at this point, which we'll see what they can do at the deadline. Number two, the Minnesota Timberwolves. They beat the Miami Heat, the Lakers, and the Sacramento Kings. Then they lost to the Philadelphia 76ers in the in the Embiid game that we talked about. I want to shout out Rudy Gobert here for a second. I think he's having the best defensive season that he's had since 2019. He's been incredibly active on a night 
a night-in, night-out basis and has anchored that defense and has created a lot of more achievable roles for the other players on that team. He also has 36 offensive rebound putbacks this year, which is tied for Nikola Jokic with the third most in the NBA. Combine that with his active screening and enrolling hard to the rim and his vertical spacing. He's been a really, really impactful player and has been a, one of the primary driving forces between Minnesota or uh, behind Minnesota in their breakout season this year. Number one, the Boston Celtics. Obviously, a disappointing loss on Tuesday night against the Golden State Warriors, but then they kicked the shit out of the Kings on the road, kicked the shit out of the Clippers on the road, then go into the uh, Los Angeles against the Lakers team that really wanted to win that game and won comfortably. They are clearly the best team in basketball right now, at least within the context of the regular season. Kristaps Porzingis fundamentally changes the geometry of that team and I think could end up buying them the margin for error to overcome some of their late game offensive execution issues. Right now I have them at number one in the power rankings. All right, guys, that's all I have for today. Remember to drop mailbag questions for uh, the episodes this weekend. We have the Nerd Sesh guys coming on on Thursday to talk some league-wide stuff. I will see you guys then. a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.